0: Yep, so the very first project that we got off the ground, as I was saying, was the Humpback Icon Project, where 70 towns around Australia adopted, so to speak, um, known humpback whales from Trish and Wally's uh, catalogue. The other thing we started was the visual petition, which was related to um, us heading off to the International Whaling Commission in Santiago in Chile. And because we had billabong support, we put up airfares to bring people in from five continents, from five main continents to represent for the whole world. And um, we started this thing to get people fired up to participate. And what it was was people standing there and holding a picture of a whale or dolphin photo over their chest. And so it was young surfer kids in Portugal and it was Chinese students in bedrooms holding pictures of dolphins, it was whatever. It was just all over the world we got 17,000 of them came in at the point where the site kind of froze and um and it's still out there but uh, and many more thousands that we couldn't get onto the site part because it was public and people started to you know the trolls started to abuse it um but it was really wonderful while it ran and um that sort of model i noticed has been has, has been used it's a lot it's taken off isn't it people yeah.
1: do that like even things like the not me movement
0: yeah so a lot of people said, "How did you get the? How did you even get the the, the domain name? You know, Visual Petition." It's like, what? <laughs> and um, so that's good. That was a that was a good project. And um, did
1: you any? Was there consequence of the project?
0: Well, the the consequence I suppose was that people um, became very aware of Surface for Cetaceans. What sort of things we were doing because we were trying to engage the international surf community. So all these people who put up on visual petition were holding up surfboards, you know, painting whales and dolphins onto their boards and um, we got a very strong sense of, uh, you know, we could speak for the entire international surf community with great authority. It
1: became an international movement by the sounds of it.
0: Mm. It was was really good because the other part of uh, what S4C has been doing is continuing that thing that I'd been doing of going to the International Whaling Commission. But now we had we would now we would turn up with surfers with these massive banners that were in full colour photo reproduction of entire big chunks of the visual petition. And, you know, if each little each person on that petition was roughly uh, a square inch or something, you've got huge banners that we put out at the IWC. Thousands of faces, thousands of people, and on there you saw all these people who were celebrities as well. They
1: protesters, they were like a visual, of a one-inch protester, well, that's amazing. Thou- so you might have had thousands of thousands of protesters just, you know, representative by a banner. It's amazing.
0: Mm. I, you know, it's interesting protesting. Uh, it, 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 IWC was, as much as it was protesting, it very much is. It was also bringing the sense of celebration. And we very much pushed right from the beginning that IWC Instead of being international whaling commission, should actually represent international whale celebration, and so we working with uh, Women for Whales, we did some spectacularly good um, community-based international whale celebrations leading up to and during the international whaling commissions. Like the one, in, there was one in particular in Saint Helier's in Jersey, off the coast of France. It was absolutely fantastic, and um, so the I so so. W- you know, in a sense, it wasn't um, just surfers. All these celebrities jumped on board. You know, I mean, you got you had pictures of people like I don't know, Paul Watson or Ben Harper or Michael Franti being involved in in this kind of thing. Um, it it gave it a lot of power at the I W C. And from the outset, um, Surfers for Cetaceans was a strong ally and and of uh, Sea Shepherd and I remember bringing Paul Watson to meet Dave Rastovich. From from, from the outset, uh, Surface for was a, was a strong ally of Sea Shepherd, and we stood unequivocally alongside Sea Shepherd um, and encouraged people to go and support Sea Shepherd. We were sending everybody to the pointy end, you know, it was like, yep, go there, join up, become crew, send your donations to them. And I remember bringing Paul Watson across to meet with Dave Rastovich at the same time as also bringing a young Aboriginal girl, um, Skyboard Tolly who had started a group called Teens Against Whaling she was only 13 when she started that and she was like, it was very empowering for her to be in the company of Dave Rastovich and, and um, Paul Watson and you know see sort of be in those discussions that went down uh, I remember Dave saying to Paul well, I tell you what, we can create, <coughs> through the through the company in America that creates my fins, we'll create a, a sea shepherd fin. that will go onto boards, skull and crossbone, and that happened. And then they went out and helped support sea shepherd. So uh, we've done actions around the world where we've combined uh, efforts. And, of course, one of the strong actions that we led was uh, in cahoots with another group called uh, Ocean Preservation Society, and that's uh, Louis Sahoyas who went on with his crew to make um, the movie The Cove with Rico Barry. So Dave Rustwich and I were, there's a photograph actually just over there on my wall of us standing outside in the International Whaling Commission in Anchorage in Alaska with Paul Watson and with Rico Barry. We just had a handshake, saying, "Okay, we will bring the surfers to the Killing Cove in Japan." So, three months later, I think it was, 22 of us paddled out in the Killing Cove on surfboards, and essentially we shut down the dolphin slaughter that was going on for 10 days in a Mexican standoff. And uh, we did. And Sea Shepherd supplied an IT guy for us to help run everything back out to the rest of the world. But we had a very strong. Team, anyway, that um, and CNN turned up. and
1: I remember that being on the news, was mm. that mid 2000s, 2007, 2007 and 8 or something? Yeah, it was quite powerful.
0: And CNN had given us a call after the first pedal out and said, Oh, hello, this is Richards, or whatever his name was, you know, from Hong Kong. CNN, we're in Tokyo, where do you want us? And it was like, Get to the killing cove as quick as you can. And they drove all through the night, and at the same time, Dave was mustering a second paddle out because as soon as we left after that first one, the Japanese killers started killing, uh, rounding up and killing pilot whales and their children. And um, So our team left about one in the morning and arrived just as CNN had set up their cameras. And of course there was a bit of mayhem where our crew of six got attacked by guys with from the boats, you know, Japanese guys with poles, and it was all caught on film.
1: Was anybody hurt?
0: No, not overly, but these guys struck out at at Hannah Mermaid and at Isabel Lucas and Hayden Panettiere, three young women on surfboards, and it didn't look good on film, them being struck with poles. Um, And they were sitting out there with blood everywhere in the water and these last of the the whales who, who were still alive with their children. So it was very impactful, and as we came out, you know, with a guy we used to call private space filming us and photographing us with a cigarette in his mouth screaming at us, screaming bloody murder at us in Japanese. It was all caught by CNN as well as our cameras. And he was actually yelling at us, you know, Go away! Piss off! You're ruining our business. And he got into himself into a lot of trouble with his people because they always claim it's a traditional hunt
1: or referee search and such. So where was the Japanese government at that stage? Where were they legislatively? Like, was there justifications for killing dolphins?
0: Yeah, good point. Japan has always actually called at the IWC for the right to do to do um, coastal whaling and North Pacific whaling, um, and have always been stopped at the IWC from that because if you let one country say, yeah, it's okay to do whaling in your own waters, that's okay, then so many other countries that are sort of doing it anyway and it's not condoned would open up big whale fisheries like uh, Peru kills dolphins for crab baits, Uh, Indonesia kills sperm whales and local um, killing, you know, Amazon dolphins get killed and so on. Well, you'd just be giving permission Um, for that to be legitimised.
1: It just sets a precedent. So how do you cope with it all? How do you feel when you're seeing these poor creatures being slaughtered? How do you cope with all that?
0: Um, To be honest, I haven't seen a lot of the slaughter. I have seen slaughter. Um, I've seen the results of slaughter. Um, To be honest, I always have a fallback position, which is that I don't know how I was so lucky to, to, to have the honour and the privilege to be able to be a voice for whales and dolphins.